In our series, the Yeah, But What About series, we're going to talk a little bit today about the world system. Uh, yeah, what about the world system? What do we use out of that? What do we glean out of that? Can it help us daily? Uh, what's this all about? You know, there's things that we do every day that's part of this world system, even as believers. You know, I've got some money in my pocket. Well, you know, it says in God we trust on it, but it's got a picture of like a president, a dead guy on it, you know. And it was issued by the Federal Reserve Bank and this, that, and the other. And, you know, it's, it's what the Bible calls mammon. <laughs> you know, it's that uh, part of the world system. I read a book years ago by Watchman Nee called Love Not the World. And he actually talks about money. He said, you know, money, those dollar bills and change or pesos or yen or euros or whatever you got in your pocket, they were created by some world government slash whatever organization, and they're a means of exchange. Okay, I go to work for someone, and I work a few hours, and they give me some money in exchange for that, and I take that money, and I exchange it for other stuff, you know, food or clothing or a house to live in, entertainment, you know, whatever, uh, a new toy. <laughs> okay, so I am using parts of the world system to function within the world system, but we're warned to be very careful of not being consumed by the world system. Because uh, ultimately, God is my provider, not the work that I do or the money I earn or the government system or anything else. So we're kind of in the world, but not of the world, Jesus said. We're actually in two worlds at the same time. Yeah, I'm here. My citizenship is in heaven. Just like, okay, as an American citizen, if I go overseas, I may have to use some different kinds of currency. I've been to India and had to use rupees. Okay, I had to exchange my dollars for rupees so that I could buy meals and pay for you know, mass transit system tickets and all that kind of stuff over there. Hotel rooms. They wouldn't take dollars. Well, some of them would, but they weren't supposed to. You're supposed to exchange that and pay in rupees, right? So we're here on planet Earth. We're actually citizens in heaven, but to function in this system, we're using bits and pieces of the world system because we're in a different country. Our citizenship is somewhere else, but we're here. All right, so if we're not careful, we'll begin to mingle with the world system in other areas, not just means of, okay, how do I get a hamburger? Well, I've got to have a dollar here. I can't say, well, you know, God's my father. He owns all cattle on a thousand hills, so that meat and the hamburger is mine anyway because it belongs to my dad. Well, it doesn't really work. <laughs> they say, you know, in God we trust, everybody else pays cash. All right, so i got to come up with dollar bills or something to pay for that that hamburger and french fries and a, and a Dr. Pepper, all right? So I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. There's parts of the world system it seems like, well, I have to do this, you know, making my house payment. Again, they want dollars, not, not promises or smiles. It's, you know, <laughs> my dad used to tell me, you're good looking, but it won't pay for anything. You know, you're going to have to work hard and make some money and, and be able to pay for that car you want or whatever. All right, so... 
what do we use out of the world system with a clear conscience? And how do we keep the world system from using us and captivating us and making us a slave? Well, we're going to look at some verses today that talk with that very thing, talk about that very thing. And we'll talk, I'm sure, throughout the weeks and months ahead about how the world system tries to become the big boss of our life, claiming greater status, greater wisdom, greater understanding, greater power, greater whatever. If you don't serve me, you're nothing, the world system says. Well, what is the origin of the world system? Well, it actually goes back to the Garden of Eden. There was Adam and Eve, and they were living on planet Earth, and the world system really doesn't have anything to do with the planet, although it exists on the planet. And it began with the serpent casting doubt on God and his word and then telling Adam and Eve, there's some things you have to do in order to realize your purpose for existence. If you'll eat from this tree, you'll become like God. Well, they were already like God. He made them that way. When they ate from the tree, it didn't make them like God. It took away their God-likeness. Because on the sixth day, he made man in his image, and he got finished, and he said, I'm done. And on the seventh day, he rested because it was complete. All right, so they accepted an idea from the serpent. And who was he? Well, that was Satan representing himself through this animal that evidently used to walk upright, you know. Um, so because it said after that, you're going to go on your belly on the ground. But anyway, so here's Satan introducing ideas about God and ideas about man that were false. And months ago, we talked about your theology and your anthropology. What do you say about God? That's theology. And what do you say about man? That's anthropology. Well, if you can't trust God, and it's up to you to make you into what you're supposed to be, then your theology and your anthropology, which you believe about God and believe about man, is, is, is off base. And it, it doesn't get better by doing more of that. It gets worse and worse and worse, and we've seen that throughout human history. So the origins of the world system, as we know it, began when Satan deceived Eve, and she gave to her husband, and they ate, and their eyes were opened, and they realized they were naked, and they were sinners, and they hid from God and began to make clothing to cover themselves so that they wouldn't be exposed anymore. And we've been doing that as human beings ever since trying to hide ourselves from God and other people out of fear and embarrassment and everything else. Well, he came to remove the guilt. And we'll talk about that more in the future. But the world system, let's look at 1 John 2, 15 through 18. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. Again, he's not talking about the planet. He's talking about the world system. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away and also its lusts. But if one, if the one who does the will of God, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you've heard, that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen. From this we know that is the last hour. All right, so he said, who's the Antichrist? Well, it started in the garden. He think is anti-Christ, anti-God's plan for us. 
Because the New Testament tells us we're being conformed to the image of Christ. And Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that Christ is the very image of the invisible God, the very essence of his being. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And whose image are we being conformed to? The image of Christ, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So the world system is anti that, anti be like Jesus and pro be the best you you can be or be like this guy or that lady or ultimately say, Satan is saying be like me. Be self-sufficient. Rebel against God. Believe things that I tell you rather than things that he tells you. That's antichrist. That's anti the truth that is in Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's no other way there. The world system will never get you there. It will only take you further and further away from it, even though it promises daily to take you to the fullness of who God has, of what God has for you. So the world system, which is really an, a system of beliefs built around the original lies that Satan told Adam and Eve, and that is, you can't trust God. He's holding out on you. You can't believe his word. But I'll tell you what, if you'll listen to me, I'll tell you how to fix the problem. You can eat from this tree over here. He told you not to eat from it. He's not going to let you eat from it because he's holding out on you. Because if you eat from it, you'll become like him. He didn't want you to be like him. But like I already said, he already made them like him. And he finished. They weren't. There was nothing yet to do. They were already in the image of God because he made them that way. And by believing that lie, they actually forfeited their God-likeness and took on the likeness of their father, the devil. As he told the Pharisees, you're of your father, the devil, because he was a liar from the beginning in John chapter 8. But he also said, but if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. The world system is interesting how it's developed throughout the ages here on planet Earth. More and more trust in self, less and less trust in God. A lot of uh, even Christian-sounding religious systems, but other religious systems, we claim to trust God, but what they teach is trust yourself. Be a better you. Work hard. Keep the laws. You know, we talked about the laws which can never make one righteous, and that's talking about the Mosaic law. By works of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. They only expose sin. They can't fix sin. But it sounds right. Okay, let's just work hard at keeping the law. All right, so he said in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 10, Paul talking about this very thing, he, he records this for us. As therefore you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How do you receive him? By faith. How do you walk with him? By faith. Verse 7, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, not works, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one take you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. It's a done deal. And he is the head of over all rule and authority. There's no big guy or boss or something out there that's going to gobble you up that Jesus can't handle. He's over all rule and authority. And he put to rest any of this battle through his death, burial, and resurrection. 
And it says, in him you have been made complete. So don't let people fake you out. That's what it's talking about in verse 8. See to it, no one take you, takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. The world system is replete with philosophies and empty deceptions. And some of them are as different as day and night. And they all claim to be right. And all of them lead to self-trust, self-sufficiency, self-determination, self-realization, and none of them work. He says, trust in me, and I will make you whatever you need to be. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The oldest passed away, the new has come. He made him, verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5, he made him who knew no sin to be sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All right, so he's saying, don't let people fake you out with the world system that sounds right. Well, why does it sound right? Because I believe it's the world system sounds good and right and, and worthwhile, and yeah, that'll work because we've been indoctrinated with the world system from the very beginning of our existence on planet Earth. The world system is all around us. It's like the air in this room that I'm in right now. The world system is just like the air in this room. It is completely around us at all times. And when do we notice the air? Only when there's something wrong with it. It stinks. There's not enough of it. You know, I'm having asthma or I'm underwater or something like that. Not enough air. Or if there's too much of it, you know, hurricanes and tornadoes and downbursts and straight line winds and all that stuff. Too much air. Okay? It's, if there's something wrong with the air, I notice it. Otherwise, I just live in it. Well, we've been living in the world system from the very beginning of our earthly existence. We breathe it in, we breathe it out every day. If we're not careful, we begin to realize or feel like that this is my life when it's really not. It's just somewhere we are, but it's not who we are. We're in a foreign country, the Bible says. We're actually behind enemy lines. Yeah, we're using the means of exchange in this earthly system to get by, but we don't need to trust it. Just like I use euros when I'm in Europe or rupees when I'm in India, I do some means of exchange in the world system. Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. How's your day going? You know, we, we, we talk and we, we, we interact with people and we use money to exchange things and we, you know, we mow our grass so we don't get a citation from the city and maybe we help our neighbor a little bit, you know, and when their dog gets out and comes in my yard all the time, I may say, hey, you know, I just want to let you know your dog's out and in my yard and, and we're, we're kind about that and this, that and the other. But there's a lot of people who don't know Christ that are really good at living in the world system, but that doesn't mean they're going to heaven. That doesn't mean they have an inheritance reserved in heaven for them that won't fade away. They've just gotten pretty good at functioning in the world system. And some of those who have their name written in heaven, and they, their, their, their inheritance will never fade away, are not real good at working in the world system because the world system is dead set against them. You know, Jesus said, if they hate you, you need to realize they hated me first. And he didn't come to hurt the world. He came to save the world, to give his life a ransom for many. And so as we live out the nature and the character of God, as he lives in us, letting him live through us, that doesn't mean everybody's going to like us. In fact, some people are just going to flat out hate us. And some of those people won't be just the world. They'll be, you'll be shocked maybe to find out if you haven't already. They may be people who are very religious. You know, the Pharisees are the ones that demanded that Jesus be crucified. Pilate just said, well, let me beat him and let him go. No, 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 you have to kill him. 
You have to kill him. They hated him that much. Why? Because he exposed the futility of the false gospel, the false beliefs that they had conjured up within themselves to make themselves righteous. They were self-righteous. They were proud and hypocritical. Okay, and he exposed that. And because of that, they killed him. Well, in God's incredible wisdom and absolute power over all things, he used the very death of Christ to disarm the rulers of darkness and take away their power to keep us dead forever and use that very death of Christ to give us life forever. God's just that powerful. But it has to be received by faith. So don't let anybody fake you out with the world system. No matter how good it, good it sounds, living according to the principles of the world may kind of get you by in the moment, but in the end, you're denying the very blood that saved you. Well, what if this thing seems to work better? Getting by a little bit better, a little easier, with a little more comfort on planet Earth isn't why you exist. Months and months ago, we started with one basic premise, and that was God's stated premise for man in Garden of Eden, uh, at the point of creation when he put him in the Garden of Eden. He said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. You do not exist and I do not exist as a child of God to get by and function within and have the easiest life on planet Earth. You and I exist to bear the image of God himself, not apart from him, but by his indwelling presence through Christ, so that people see and hear the words and, and hear the words of Christ and see the deeds of Christ lived through us, for which some people may love you beyond your ability to, to even comprehend, and some people will hate you beyond your ability to comprehend, just like they did Jesus. Some people loved him, some people hated him. The world thought he was crazy, and the world thinks we're crazy. You know, your experience in that regard won't be any different. But the world system is not friendly. It doesn't actually deliver ever on what it promises. You know, in the Garden of Eden, when he lied to them, he said, you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. When they did what they did, eating from that that fruit of that tree, it didn't make them like God. It took away their godlikeness. And the world system does the same thing. It says to you, if you do this, you'll be successful. And you do this, you realize what a failure you are. Even though the world says, oh, you succeeded. And you realize at being a failure in what I'm here for, being God's representation on earth because he, he lives through me. It produces the opposite of what it promises. You, you'll be loved if you do this, and you realize you're just being used. Uh, you'll be uh, content if you do that, and the more you do it, the less content you become. That's why it says, don't be taken captive through the philosophies and empty deceptions. They have nothing in them of any value. According to, according to the tradition of men and the principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. The discernment of the Holy Spirit is extremely powerful in this regard. You know, and it doesn't make me more acceptable to God the more discerning I become, but realizing my acceptability to God through Christ, I will become more discerning because it becomes a contrast. Well, this looks good, 
but it's not anything compared to the goodness in Christ. This feels good, but it's nothing compared to the joy in Christ. There's just no comparison. See, the world system is based on performance. If you do something, you'll be accepted. If you do these things and live up to these marks, you'll be successful. And like I said, it's all around us, like the air in the room. And it's easy to find ourselves locking step with that way of thinking and even transfer it over into our walk with God because we tend to feel that way. Well, then the laws must be there for us to perform and live up to so we'll be acceptable. No, he said, you know, I'll, I'll teach you how to live like me after I accept you, not in order to accept you. Very big difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. All right, so in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, Paul is actually talking about this. And he's talking about how people were viewing him as a leader in the faith. He says, you know, the guy's kind of fancy and big talk in his letters, but in person, he's not very impressive, you know. <laughs> and so he says this, for we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves, and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. You know, when people look around at each other and we begin to compare ourselves with, with ourselves and each other, you know, depending on how you're doing or how I'm doing, I can feel up or down or whatever. And, but what I'm doing is like trying to navigate off of a shooting star. It's never in the same spot and you can't hardly really follow it. You know, if, the reason the North Star is so important is always in the same spot. It never moves around. And so I always know whether I'm headed towards north or not, based on the fact that am I headed toward that star or not. Well, the world system is like trying to navigate with stars that don't stay in the same place in the sky all the time. You never know really they're going to show up, but they, they show up over there and you're going this way, then they show up over here and you're going that way, and sometimes you can't even see them at all, and holy cow, what in the world is this all about? Well, if I compare myself with others, it says I'm without understanding. If I compare myself even with myself, you know, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm doing really good today because I'm doing better than I was yesterday. It says, back in the passage we looked at in, in Colossians, that's empty deception. That's the philosophies of the world. We need to look to Christ because in him dwelled all the fullness of God in bodily form. He's the North Star that never moves. All right, so in Christ, I am just as righteous as he is. My actions are not as righteous as his yet. So I'm growing to maturity so that I will live out what's true of me already in the spiritual realm, which is the, the, the most real realm there is. All right, so let's look at that for a moment. I'm learning to live out something about me that's already true. The truth is, you cannot be something you're not. If I am unholy, and he tells me to be holy, well, unholy can never be holy. But if I am holy, and he tells me to be holy, he's actually telling me to be who I am. If he tells me to be righteous and I'm unrighteous, no matter of righteousness that I do will, will change the equation because it only accepts perfection, only righteousness without flaw. Well, if I receive righteousness as a gift of faith, like it says in Philippians 3, then I am righteous. 
and I'm learning to live righteous. And the illustration I've used before in here in, during our studies, I love this one. You know, if, if a, a little bird is conceived and it's in a shell, well, it's 100% bird at the moment of conception, but it's just this gooey mess inside a shell. And over time, it develops to a little chick inside that shell and eventually pecks its way out, and there it is, a little blob with little pin feathers kind of sticking out here and there, but not much, mostly just skin and a big mouth and little stubs that stick out with no feathers on them that are wings, but they don't really look like wings yet, but it's still 100% bird. And so as it grows and matures and it grows feathers and, and it gets strength and finally it can open its eyes and one day mom kicks it out of the nest and says, fly. Well, they didn't wait for it to learn how to, till it could fly before they gave it wings. It's not saying, okay, once you learn how to fly, we'll give you wings. No, it has wings. It actually had wings at the moment of conception and they developed to full-size, full-grown wings that were capable of flying. And then they said fly, and you know, it was fly or die, so the thing started flapping, and next thing you know, it was floating around in the air and going, wow, this is cool. Well, it didn't learn how to fly in order to become a bird. It, it learned how to fly because it is a bird. When the scripture tells us, be holy for I am holy, as God spoke to the people, um, brings that out in Peter. You shall be holy for I am holy. He's saying, I'm your father, I'm holy. You have my nature. Now, let's learn how to live what you are. He's not saying, once you learn how to live holy, I'll make you holy. He made us holy at new birth. And the world system says just exactly the opposite of that. You're unacceptable until you learn to live acceptably according to the world system. God says, I make you acceptable. He, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 says we're accepted in the beloved. We are made acceptable in Christ. We are made righteous in him. We are made holy in him. Don't know how to do any of it. It's like the bird didn't know how to do anything the moment it hatched. It was clueless. All it knew was it was hungry, and he heard this noise, and his mouth flopped open, and somebody stuck something in it. Whew, that felt good to get his tummy full. And so that went on for a long time. Now, it wasn't becoming more bird. It was already bird. All right, so he's saying this to us. Don't compare yourself to others. Well, I'll be acceptable when. How about I'm acceptable now, and I'm learning how to live out my acceptability through maturing, the maturing process, being brought to the fullness of the stature that belongs to Christ, like it talks about in Ephesians. The God of this world... As, as scripture refers to him, who is Satan. He's the ruler of this current way of thinking. He's the uh, usurper that decided he could take God on and beat him and set his throne above the heavens, making God his servant. And he's tempted us to do the same thing. Be your own God and set your throne above everybody else's and be self-actualized and self-realized because um, that's the only way you'll get there. And that's a futile system. It's, the Bible says even the, the law itself is weak, worthless, elemental, and enslaving. Why do you want to go back to that? It says in Hebrews, or excuse me, in Galatians. So let's look at a scripture concerning the God of this world. A little bit long, but we'll just go through it real quick. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 25. 
For the word of the cross to those who are perishing is foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And what is the cross? The word about the cross is his death, burial, and resurrection. It's complete in Christ. That's foolishness to those who are perishing. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message to save those who believe. So he's saying wisdom of the world or believing in Christ. You have two paths you can walk down. Verse 22. For indeed Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. The ability to figure it out in their mind. But we preach Christ crucified. To Jews it's a stumbling block. To Gentiles it's foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. All right, so Paul's making a point here. You got two paths. You can follow the world. You can follow God. One is a, one of performance. One is faith. One is do everything. One is trust everything. In Galatians, it talks about how um, keeping the law to be righteous is a work of the flesh. You know, having begun in the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And they were going back and trying to keep the law to become mature, which is what perfected means. If you become saved, born again, brought into the family of God by faith, you become mature by faith. You don't become mature, you don't become righteous by faith and mature by works. Those two systems don't mix. They were never meant to mix. You know, back here it said, um, where is the wise man and the scribe? Well, the wise man is the person that really knows the world system. Who is the scribe? The one who really under, knows the Bible. Man, they had, the scribes had the Bible so well memorized, they could literally sit down and write it out word for word, the entire Old Testament, with every jot and tittle, that's the punctuation marks. They could write it out without flaw. They, could write, they knew if you quoted a verse... They knew exactly where it was in the scroll because back then they didn't have numbers. They didn't have chapter and verse numbers. It was just a scroll. Well, they could whip that scroll open and roll right to it and point right to it. They knew exactly where those scriptures were. Not because you could say, well, in, in 2 Chronicles 4.19, it says this. There wasn't a 4 or a 19 in the scroll. The scribes knew it so well, they knew exactly where to go in the scroll to look for whatever it was they were looking for because they, could, they literally had it memorized from end to end. And he says, where's the wise man? The one who knows the world system best. Where's the scribe? The one who knows the Bible best. Where's the debater of this age? The one who tries to argue his point so well that everybody has to bow down to him. God has made foolish the wisdom of the world and even the self-righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees Jesus talked about. Another scripture we have here is 2 Corinthians 4, 
3 and 4, it says this, even, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this world is attempting to blind the minds of the unbelieving so that they will not see the light of the gospel, the good news, that's what gospel means, so they will not see the good news of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And if we're being made in his image, conformed to the image of Christ, then through new birth and the salvation that comes through faith in Christ, God is completing what he started when he said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. And the continuing process is exactly the same. It's not, let's skip over to a new system, or let's go back and clean up the old system and use some of that, or borrow things out of the world system. You know, you don't uh, get saved by faith and walk by the world because that's weak, worthless, and captivating, and enslaving, and a lot of things that it says about the world system and even religious ideas where we try to clean up the law and make it useful. Those things are enslaving. They make us captives. They hold us in a current state of immaturity and not letting us move on. That's why it says, let's leave those things, the elementary teachings and the washings and faith in Christ, and move on to maturity. Let's move forward. And we talked about that last week in, in Hebrews. Let's don't keep going around that same bush over and over again. You're saved, and let's move on. By the way, we move on the same way we got saved, by faith. We were saved by faith. Let's walk with him by faith. Faith in what? Faith in him. You know, even Jesus, he displayed what it means to trust someone else. In the night he was arrested to be crucified, he was praying in the garden. He said, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. But he said, not my will, but your will be done. Now, Jesus didn't have a rotten will. He didn't have a stinking, flesh-driven, pharisaical, self-righteous will. He had a righteous, holy will, just like his father. So he basically said, Father, not my righteous, holy will, but your righteous, holy will be done. He deferred his will to the will of the Father. And that's what it means for you and I to walk by faith. That's my challenge every day. Sometimes the world system looks better, and I, I know it isn't. I've tried it before and it didn't work, but I get faked out, like it says, through philosophy and empty deception, and I step right over in it again. And I go, cannot believe I did that again. And, you know, the Father knew it was going to happen again. He still loved me. He still saved me, even though he knows all my future. He knows all the big pieces of stupid I'm going to step in. But he uses it to teach me something, to lean more on him and less on my own understanding, like it says back in Proverbs Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Okay, Father, where are you going? This is where it seemed like I should go. Where are you going? Oh, that didn't look too good. You know, Jesus said, that didn't look good for me. That's a cross. Okay, but you, because I trust you, I will go in the direction you're leading me, even though it looks like it'd be better for me to go a different direction. In his humanity, he could see the difference between getting beat to a, to a pulp and crucified and not getting beat to a, a pulp and crucified. 
So following God may not always feel good, but the end result is always divine good. In our relationships, in our work environment, in our daily life, and that's the struggle I face every day in my growth and moving towards maturity, and it's the struggle you face every day. We can keep choosing the old path, go down that again and find out it's still a dead end like it always was, the bridge is still out, we're, we're floating down the river in the drink once again, or we can choose a new path that doesn't look very good and find out the end of that is joy and contentment, the things he promised us. Not better salvation, the salvation of Christ is complete, but better outcomes in the moment, more glory to God, because it shows his way was right in spite of how I felt, in spite of what the circumstances I had to endure on planet Earth. Sometimes choosing to follow God leads you through circumstances just like Christ's that seem like that's the worst thing I could have done. Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, well, they got out. Well, then others, the Bible says, were sawn in two and lived in caves. They were killed for their faith. All people of faith, just like Abel, he was killed for his faith. His brother was jealous of him and killed him. So following God doesn't always produce the best feeling worldly outcome. It simply reveals the glory and the nature of God that he put inside of you, which is why you were created to begin with. The world system can look good. It's common to us. It's been all around us our whole life. It feels better sometimes. It, it, it promises to feel better. But in the end, it produces emptiness and sadness and regret. And consequences that the Bible says uh, you do wrong, you receive the consequences of that wrong and that without partiality. Uh, I can't rob the bank because I'm a Christian and not get consequences. I get the same consequences the unsaved person gets. I can't be ugly and mean and disrespectful to my parents or neighbor or wife or whoever and not get consequences out of that. I get the same consequences everybody else gets. But I don't have to do that because Christ lives in me and I can let him live through me. So the world system, yeah, but what about? A lot of it looks good, but it's empty deception, it's philosophies of men, and it only leads you to bondage rather than the freedom in Christ that you were created to experience. We'll talk about this a lot more in the future. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have completed all things in Christ and you've given us that uh, assurance that if we walk with you by faith, uh, regardless of the earthly circumstances and physical consequences of those decisions, we glorify you. We, re we reveal who you are as you reveal yourself through us. And that's what the world needs to see. That's what, indeed why you created us. And it is indeed where our true joy and fulfillment come from, uh, not from the world. Because it's, it's, it's weak and enslaving. But you are powerful and you gave us freedom through Christ. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Well, thank you, Father. Thank you that you continue to lead us and that you will never give up on any of your children, that you will complete what you started, bringing us to the fullness of the stature that belongs to Christ himself. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.